The Athletic. Hello everyone, I'm Danny Kelly and this is The View from the Lane, the Athletics Tottenham Hotspur podcast. And today I'm joined, I'm delighted to say, by uh, two of our top faces from the Athletic, Jack Pitbrook and James Moore. And the week when all traces of ketchup and mayonnaise have been removed from the training ground, we focus on all the changes that Antonio Conte has made in his first week as Spurs manager. But first, Jack, we should say, um, and I'm delighted about this because this is how I want us to roll. We've been inundated with a reaction on Twitter since you compared the length of Spurs' shots on target drought with the early works of Bob Dylan. Just very quickly, for the sake of those who foolishly, and perhaps because they were in prison, missed that podcast a few days ago. It's since been released and been told by their mates this is the only podcast to listen to. Remind people of the, of the comparison you made. So it's 227 minutes of football since Tottenham last last had a shot on target. Not scored a goal, had a shot on target. Now I was thinking, wow, that's quite a long period of time. What else could you do in that time, Danny? Yeah. And I thought, well, if you were to sit and listen to the complete works of Bob, studio albums only, yeah. starting, you could get through... The 36 minutes of Bob Dylan, the 50 minutes of the freewheeling Bob Dylan, the 45 minutes of the times they are changing, the 51 minutes of another side of, and almost right to the end of the 47 minute long bringing it all back home, you would get to, I think, halfway through It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. Amazing. At which point, and, and this isn't when Tottenham, this is the amount of time that's passed since Tottenham have had a shot on target. It's not the end of that period of time. So if you were to continue yeah. to listen to more... If you were to continue to wait for this next shot on target to happen in a Premier League game, which hopefully will happen against Leeds United Mm -hmm. at the end of the international break, you know, you could get all the way into blood on the tracks or who knows? I mean, we've already gone from him being um, voice of a generation, uh, the king of folk, into going electric, which is incredible enough. Now, I pointed out um, on Twitter during the week that um, as it happens, Lawrence of Arabia, David Lean's 1962 Oscar-winning best film, um, is exactly 227 minutes long. It is the second longest film ever to won the Best Picture Oscar. If Spurs can go 13 minutes without having a shot on target against Leeds, they will equal Gone with the Wind, the longest film ever to win the Best Picture Oscar. People really got into this in a big way. This is Paul Hewitt, who says, I worked it out with the Beatles albums. You could go through Please Please Me. Of course, these are the UK order of issue, not the ridiculous order which they were released in America. Um, You could go through Please Please Me with the Beatles, Hard Day's Night, Beatles for Sale, they're short these albums, aren't they? Help and Rubber Soul before reaching the 227 minute mark in the middle of Got to Get You Into My Life. The penultimate track on Revolver, um, incredible. So we'll be we'll be heading into Yellow Submarine and Sergeant Pepper very soon if Spurs don't get a shot on target. James Kirk, I hope not the uh, captain of the Starship, says 227 minutes is how long it took Gary Kirsten to reach 50 against England in the Boxing Day Test in Durban in 1999. Probably almost as boring as Spurs not shooting at the goal. Now, here's one where somebody very brainy indeed has gone to the science uh, books. Michael Calvin, of course, multi-award winning football writer and broadcaster, um, colleague of mine over on Talk Sports, says, 
A sleuth moves at its top speed of 0.15 miles per hour. In the time it's taken since Spurs last had a shot on target in the Premier League, even a sleuth could walk half a mile. Mayflies don't live very long. And David, Danny Kemp rather tells us, Jack and uh, James, that 45 generations of female mayflies will have lived, sorry, been born, lived, done their mayfly thing, and then died since Spurs last had a shot on target in the Premier League. They could easily be nesting in that goal, couldn't they? They're completely, un- they're completely <laughs> not at risk from any, uh, any errant footballs. But my favourite, perhaps, is are you all across the works of the band Napalm Death? No. Napalm Death were a band formed in the early 80s who made the most extreme noise you can imagine. They were from the Midlands. I think they're from Leamington. Their second LP is called From Enslavement to Obliteration. So you know the kind of territory we're in here. <laughs> and their songs tended on average to be very, very, very short indeed. And Grumpy Mark says, you could listen to You Suffer by Napalm Death 10,349 times since Spurs last had a shot on target in the EPL. This is You Suffer by Napalm Death. <laughs> That is the entire song, ladies oh, wow. and gentlemen. And you could listen to that. That's all scum, which to me sounds like acoustic folk, what they're doing. You need to go back to enslavement and obliteration for the full Napalm Death experience. Thank you very much for all of those. Oh, of course, John Michael White said 227 minutes is almost precisely how long it takes the International Space Station to do three full laps of the world. I mean, we're out of a... Um, I think, Jack, you've been, uh, James, you, you can, at any moment since you are the editor of, I think, the, I mean, you run The Athletic, basically, don't you? You yeah, can pretty, say, pretty can much, you yeah. stop this nonsense? Because I've got some more. But, Jack, I think you've got some more as well. I imagine James has probably got some from some of his favourite bands, like uh, Hard Fi. Hard Fi, fuck off. Boy Kill Boy, The Twang, <laughs> I mean, yeah. The Fair Enemy. Boy Boy. Uh, oh, We'll Live and Die in These Towns is a great song, by the way. And this has kind of been blown out of the water by Napalm Death, but I was going to kind of suggest, and, and I'm not like a big Ramones guy, but I think all those, like, remember, that's kind of, I think, 14 Ramones studio albums, and they're yeah. about, like, sort of 25 minutes long or whatever mm. each. So you could probably get put a decent dent in that. Yes, you're, you're probably into Road to Ruin by the time yeah, Spurs get another sh- shot at goal. Fitting. Jack, what have you got for us? So the one other thing that I had, I was thinking about how it would fit into watching season one of The Sopranos. Oh. And the answer is you would get pretty far by after tw- 227 minutes. So you get all the way through the 60 minutes of the pilot episode The Sopranos, through the 50 minutes of second episode 46 long, through the third episode Denial, Anger, Acceptance, which is when Brendan Fallone dies. Then you'd get through the 50 th- 53 minutes of Meadowlands, the fourth episode, and it would take you right up into the very famous fifth episode College, 10 minutes in, that's when you get to 227 minutes, basically the point where Tony calls Christopher to tell him that he's just seen Fabian Petrullio while out showing Meadow universities. So that's quite a, that's quite a subway into the, into, the, into the body of work. And when you tell people that we improvise this podcast, they will not believe me because I've got a lot of things to say about The Sopranos later on, about something completely else to do that we need to talk about. I mean, it is extraordinary. It's fantastic work. Jack, I've got one here. I think regular listeners to my various shows will know that um, my running order of the greatest people ever to manipulate the English language for a living, at number four, Seamus Heaney, at number three, William Shakespeare, at number two, Blake, and at number one, of course, MF Doom, the recently, well, he died last Christmas, didn't he? The great rapper, um, MF Doom. He, and yes, he is better than Shakespeare and, and, and Haney and Blake. That's just the truth of it. I have in my hands a massive box of records. There it is. 
And this is Metal Fingers, one of his many aliases. And this is um, Special Herbs and Spices. And so last night I sat down and added up the running time of this entire LP. It is 10 records. And I was disappointed because it came to 221 minutes. But then I remembered, of course, when I took the record out, that as a special treat for the people who paid the hundreds of dollars for this box set, there is an additional 45 inside it. And the additional 45 has two extra herbs and spices on it, added to six minutes. The whole package comes to 227 minutes. So we are through the looking glass here. And I hope the Spurs have a shot on target sometime in the first 10 seconds against Leeds so that 227 becomes a special number itself. And if they do, and we get stuck on 227, given what we know about it and its magical powers, what people have told us about it, I'm going to get a tattoo of 227. And I'm holding myself to this, even though my own mother would disown me and I would hate it. Meanwhile, back in the real world, Jack and his colleague Charlie Eckershire have written a very long piece in The Athletic. I recommend it to you. It's not that long. Well, it's long for people like me who tend to read. You think Twitter is now the reading length I'm used to. It's not going to take you 227 minutes to read. That all depends on how slowly you read, doesn't it? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that or if true. you go off for a cup of tea. Anyway, why don't you tell us, Jack, what the, what the main thrusts of this piece are? So it's the piece is largely about what Conte's done in his first week in charge, what he's tried to change, what the players and staff have made of him so far. And the overall impression is very positive. Lots and lots of people that we spoke to said variations on, this is the hardest we've worked in years, this is the most we've learned, this is the most we've been challenged for a long time, after, frankly, a few years of drift ever since Pochettino was sacked, uh, coming up to two years ago. In terms of what Conte's specifically done, on the training ground, you know, he's been very intense, he's been doing his famous kind of shadow training, where he lines up 11 players and gets them to play against nobody so he can specifically teach them how he wants them to move on the pitch. He's done that a few times. He did a bumper 75-minute video session last Friday morning after the Bittes Arnhem game to show them what they got wrong in that particular match, which had the knock-on effect of making him one hour late for his press conference last Friday lunchtime, uh, which kind of left me sitting on my laptop for an hour wondering what to do. And one of the other big changes he's made is about diet and nutrition. You know, this is something that Conte's very big at. In every job that he's been in, he's revolutionised the diet you know this is a fairly standard thing I think in managers but nowadays but it's something Conte takes especially seriously not least because he suspects that quite a few of the Tottenham players are not in their best shape at the moment and he said that he said to the players after the Vitas Arnhem game you know this is the last this is the last time I want us to play with overweight players you know like this is a minimum we can't accept this so you guys have all got to get into shape so with that in mind he has really change what the players can eat in the canteen. So there's no more no more ketchup and mayonnaise, no more post-training sandwiches, no more cooking with butter and oil. It's all I about... I can't believe this. Sorry to interrupt you, Jack. I can't believe this sandwiches thing. Like, well, footballers really eating sandwiches after training. Yeah, that seems sandwiches, like, na- that seems nachos, mad. carbs. Yeah, it's quite... I, I think that was very... That Monster munch, you know, yeah, they were all How it, it was, yeah. really. <laughs> But often, po- I think that's quite common, like post-game. Sometimes if you're hanging around the sort of dressing room area of certain stadiums or you're watching those kind of like inside the dressing room, you'll see some clubs will bring in trays of food for the players after a match. And a lot of the times it will be carbs, you know, it will be... Yeah, I guess of, so. It will be wraps and pizza and stuff. Just find the idea of them all sort of tucking into like a sort of chicken and bacon sandwich from the co-op, like a bit odd, but I suppose it's probably not. What did you find most eyebrow-raising in that piece, James? I mean, that really is quite 
uh, alarming. I mean, I mean not, not the sandwiches specifically, I should say. Clearly, I mean, this is one of the things you hear every time a manager takes over a club that he thinks the players aren't fit enough. But it seems in this instance that it's like, uh, in some cases at a level slightly beyond what we've heard before. It's not just about sort of match sharpness, but players not just not really being suitably fit for, for playing in the Premier League. And that does seem quite strange at this point of a season you know we're neither we're neither so early in that players haven't had a chance to shed the pounds they've added over the summer or so late that you know uh, over the course of a season they've kind of put, put a bit of timber back on I just kind of think it's a very strange time for that to be a problem yeah I think it just goes to show I think this has been quite even before Conte came in I think this has been a bit of a concern inside the club you know Tottenham were the fittest team in the country under Pochettino and now they're coming bottom of the distance covered stats every game and you can tell just by looking at them that there are some players who are not, who are just not in especially good shape, even compared to how they looked a few years ago. Yeah, they they they, they are stockier than they need to be. Some of them, and, that, and that, that's I'm being kind. And of course, I'm a person in a glass house here and must not throw stones. But I'm not a professional athlete. We all know that in the in the last fifteen years, football's shape has changed completely and utterly. They all have middle distance runners now. They haven't got a pick yeah. on them, and there are one or two Spurs players who you think, ah, oh, he's got a normal shape. But that isn't the way professional athletes look now. And that's especially true with Conte. So Conte, obviously Conte's style of play is all about endurance and running and getting huge amounts of distance across the course of, the, of a game. He wants his players to be lean and have great stamina rather than necessarily being bulky in the gym. So the focus for him is very much about getting his team to a point where they can run as much as possible. Even So yesterday when the piece came out and you know, people were tweeting about it, John Terry, of all people, replied to a tweet about the piece saying, yeah, the fittest that I ever was was when I was playing for Antonio Conte and these sacrifices are what you've got to make. That is ironic given the, the banning of things like uh, mayonnaise, ketchup, other sauces because I once interviewed John Terry when he'd been announced as father of the year by the makers of Daddy's Sauce. James, here's the question. Ketchup always comes up in these we-must-get-the-players-fitter arguments. What are they putting ketchup on? Because in my world, ketchup only goes on two things, doesn't it? Hamburgers and chips. Are they eating hamburgers and chips in the canteen at Tottenham? What else do you put ketchup on? I mean, I, I, yeah, no, it's a great question. I'm asking. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I know like British people do have this kind of uh, a kind of curse of putting ketchup on more or less everything, but I, I'd be surprised if like a sort of international dressing room of uh, elite athletes uh, uh, kind of slavering it all over or whatever they're eating. It does seem like such a straight. You're right. I mean, it it must be such a kind of marginal uh, figure in the in the kind of post match uh, banquet. I just, yeah, you're right. It is a very strange, mayonnaise as well. I mean, that seems even more unlikely. Chips. I mean, I suppose, yeah, but the, the kind of uh, Northern European players are maybe putting it on their chips. Have you ever put ketchup on anything strange, Jack? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. I, I, I probably prefer mayonnaise, all things considered. That was the question that came to my mind when I read your excellent piece, Jack, about what the hell are they putting the ketchup on? Because that only ever goes on completely Danny diets, not footballer diet items. If you were thinking of like what healthy foods could you have which you might add sauce to, maybe kind of grilled chicken, maybe a salad, sure. a stretch. Really ketchup on a salad, Jack? 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What an appalling view shows into your private nutri- life there. Shows what I know about nutrition, well, doesn't it? I, I actually would never have ketchup on a salad. I was just trying to come up with something. But grilled chick- 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 chicken. Grilled chicken. Grilled chicken is the kind of yeah. thing that you could conceivably put ketchup on. That that hints at poor seasoning, doesn't it? If they're having to reach for the yeah, ketchup. Yeah, it does. Suggest yeah, not a salt and pepper. Like a sort of school canteen. The, our response, uh, mine, mine was about ketchup, but uh, our response to um, Jack and Charlie's excellent piece was nothing compared to the readers of The Athletic. And when we have a quick break, when we come back, we'll to ask some of the questions that they wanted to ask you after that piece about the first week of Antonio Conte's reign at Tottenham. coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yeah, welcome back to The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly, and I'm sharing the podcast with two absolute reprobates. Earlier on, and I will not out him in public, uh, James Moore said something about a musical artist so appalling that I think I, I'm, if I could, I would excommunicate him. I don't know if that's possible in journalism. That's really a kind of priest thing, isn't it? Meanwhile, Jack Pitbrook is a man who would consider putting ketchup on the salad. And this is what I have to work with, ladies and gentlemen. After the piece about the first week, it was really interesting insights into what's going on at Tottenham. These are some comments from the subscribers to The Athletic. I'll tell you how you can subscribe a little later on in the podcast. I love this. David C. said, interesting to note that they, the players, felt they lost their physical edge they had under Poch. But I remember a few dressing room leaks at the time talking about how they were fed up with everything being so intense. Now, which is it? And he's right there, isn't it? He's right there, um, James. There's a kind of pendulum of opinion with this, these, this particular group of Spurs players. Uh, the, the porridge is either too hot or too cold, isn't it? I remember people complaining about that when uh, I think we were writing similar things at the end of the Mourinho reign. And I, and I, and I get the point, but I guess the, the, the logic is that you get bored of the same thing all the time after a certain period, don't you? Yeah, any And that's being, why yes. I think this, this kind of this three-year period for a manager at a club is, is deemed to be about right. And obviously Pochettino was, what, five years in? Six five years and a bit, in? yes. Five and yeah. a bit. I think the line we had in the piece at the time was that they were sick of him, wasn't it? I think, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I yeah. can kind of see that the the, the novelty may have worn I mean, that's off by why the time. Ferguson was. That's one of the things that Ferguson did. He changed the trainer, to changed use the, the word assist. all yeah, the exactly, time. Yeah. They could, they're always afraid of him, but not fed up yet with with whoever was running the sessions. I do think it is. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that's a totally fair and valid and interesting point in the comments. And it is true. You know, it is true that Tottenham players felt bored of how hard they had to work under Pochettino, no days off, always having double sessions. And then Mourinho came in, completely different approach to coaching, much more relaxed, much more, you know, you're good players, you figure it out for yourselves. I'm just going to show you a way to win. And then the players start complaining, oh, you know, it was kind of good under Pochettino, wasn't it? Because we actually worked hard. Whereas now we're just being left to our own devices and, you know, it's not as intense as we want it to be. We're not as fit and we're not as well coached. And by no means inconceivable that in 12 months time, some of the 
some of the players will think, oh, you know, Conte, kind of hard work, isn't he? You know, all this running and all these video sessions and no more catch-up. And, oh, God, wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if we could just do what we want again? So, look, I think on the one hand, I think this is like a normal human reaction yeah. to ju- to moan. And grass is always greener. And I, I also think that there's like a specific dynamic within football clubs which enhances this, which is that clubs go for a manager. What's that phrase? It's like fat pope, thin pope. You know, the manage, clubs appoint a manager who's different from the previous manager. Yeah. Uh, he needs to lay out the me- sandwiches. Yeah, and that means that, you know, you're either going to get someone who is incredibly intense in the training ground or who's a bit more of a motivator. And as they go for a different type of approach every time, the players think, oh, fuck it, actually, I prefer the last one. And then on top of that, there's like an added, there's like an added issue here, which is the Tottenham players themselves, who I think are prone to hiding behind excuses sometimes. Totally. And that has been one of the stories the last few years is that whenever there's been like a, a possible points, issue... Sorry to, to interrupt. Two points here from from um, subscribers getting into what you're starting to talk about there. Ben V says, if the players knew they weren't fit enough, why didn't they do something about it? While Tom F makes the point, great article, um, but it feels uh, we saw this sort of thing under Nuno when we won the first few games. It seems this club and its players can turn on a manager very quickly. And there is something... I mean, it's one of those mysteries of football, isn't it? And you hear every footballer who now turned pundit says it. The manager's got about 10 seconds when he gets through that door to make an impression because the players then decide whether they're for or against him. You're right to say this, but the arrival of Conte, and I think we said it already on this podcast, gives them no excuses now, James. They've got a training ground, they've got a stadium, they've got fans, they've got a great manager. They've got no excuses left now. And they certainly can't, if Levy notices them turning on this manager, then the answer is it's you, it's you, the players. And by which I mean the senior players, because let's be honest, I doubt if Stephen Bergwijn's got much to say about the manager. It must be the senior players who've been there for years and years and years. The goalkeeper, Harry Kane, Eric Dyer, are they the ones who are driving this? I think that's a fair point. I mean, I can, I, you know, you can see the logic in uh, like the whole thing swinging one way and then the players realising, you know, it's like that, you know, idiom, you don't know how good you've got it until it's gone or whatever it is. Uh, and then you want to swing back the other way, fine. But you de- then I think it's if, if we then have another swing that you kind of start to think, as you say, well, you can't just keep swinging back and forth forever, like like alternating between different approaches just in the off chance that one day you're going to get something that sticks and you do have to look at those Google players. And I know from, you know, reading the comments on pieces like uh, like that one from earlier in the week and seeing a lot of tweets as well, that a lot of fans, uh, uh, long before now actually, have kind of uh, decided it's the players entirely to blame and they need to do something entirely different or get out of the club. And I can see that point of view because when you're underperforming at both ends of yeah. the scale, it does yeah. kind of it does kind of tend to suggest that that might be the problem. There is definitely a view at the club now that the players no longer have any excuses to hide behind. You know, in the past, you know, obviously, top, the training ground etc. has been there for for nine years and everything. The facilities are fantastic, but because of the mistakes that Daniel Levy's made in the last few years in terms of managerial appointments, whether that was, you know, obviously sacking Pochettino for Mourinho was the first one, and then eventually getting Nuno in to replace, eventually to replace Mourinho. That has given the players excuses because the players could always say, oh, you know, the manager's rubbish, we're not motivated, there's no, he, he hasn't got his fit, he's not giving us any tactics, the sessions are boring. All this kind of stuff existed for the players to hide behind. Whereas now, Daniel Levy, after getting a lot of stuff wrong over the last few years, has gone away and brought in one of the best managers in the world. And now the players can't say that anymore. They can't, you know, if you're a Tottenham player, you can't say there's no tactics, we're, we're not fit, you know, not all, the, all the rest of it, because you've got the best, 
you know, the best manager Tottenham could get and frankly, a better manager than I thought Tottenham could get. So this, you know, it's really, it will be really interesting to see how the players react, not just like in terms of the Leeds game and beyond, but just over the course of the next kind of six, 12 months, will will they complain? Will they get behind it? Will they get sold if they're not happy? You know, how much buy-in will they have? Because they can't, they can't complain and they can't make excuses anymore because there'd be, you know, everything is in place for them to succeed. Absolutely. Now, look, changing tack again, this is from the comments underneath Jack and Charlie's piece in The Athletic. If you can't cook with oil or butter, which he says they wants them to stop doing, what can you cook with, says Kirat S. This is a legitimate question, he, he tells us himself. Surely you need some sort of fat. Well, you can boil vegetables. So you, yeah, um, I know. I, if I was going to cook without without using any any oil or fat, I would probably boil some vegetables, and you can make you know you can make various grains with water, you know, like couscous or quinoa. Yeah, I think grilling is the answer here, isn't it? Yeah, you can always grill some chicken or buy some. If you're in a rush, you could buy supermarket kind of uh, pre-packaged sort of smoked mackerel. I will take Antonio Conte's. I'm banning of oil and butter absolutely at face value. And I'll say, okay, he's the manager. That's cool. Up to the moment when he appears on television, flogging me an air fryer. If I see that, I'll know this was all a long, a long game in order to, uh, to, to sell a few George Foreman-style cooking extras. Matt, Matt M has already kind of answered. We've answered the question with ketchup and mayo gone. What are the players going to put on their chips? because everyone seems to believe chips are still very much on the menu. But Lee R. finished this off. Now, we know the famous quote, was it from uh, one of the Juventus players who said, you end up crying or you end up dying at the end of these uh, Conte training sessions. Lee, I think perhaps reflecting the view that many of us would find very attractive, says, I just want to see them crying at the end of every session. Is that too much to ask? And I, d- I don't know, the kind of bland pap we get fed by the Tottenham social media feed let's see the players crying and possibly bleeding at the end of these <laughs> training sessions if they're so hard that'd be great wouldn't it where do you want to see them bleeding from knees and things like that from from, from clashing okay, yeah, yeah, oh no fine. not from their nose like weightlifters you do still get like that the nipple chafing and like long distance running as well don't you, you do and i wonder if that's what you that mean. when footballers talk about suffering that my friends is suffering yeah absolutely um listen i want to i genuinely want to thank you all for your contributions to A, the 227-minute debate, and B, in The Athletic this last few days, responding to uh, Jack and Charlie's piece. And we're arriving at the place where I always wanted this podcast to be now, where you, the listeners, readers, and subscribers, do all the work, and we get all the dough. That's exactly where I wanted it to be. I've got one more thing I want to talk about. I'll have a little break to get everybody go off and try um, catch up on, the, on chocolate and stuff like that. Um, when you've done that, come back to us, and we'll talk about um, the mystery uncovered, I think, by Jack Pitbrook this week, or at least uh, a light shone on it, of the fake Nuno Instagram account. That mystery coming up next here on The View From The Lane. One of the other things that's happened this week was, I, I, I mean, I fell for it. Let's not, I didn't retweet it or anything, but there were quotes appeared purporting to be from Nuno Espiritu Santo about his time 
at Spurs. Very sad it didn't work out. The toughest game of all, and that's why you know it was a bit odd that I got sacked, etc., etc., etc. Now the mainstream media, and that doesn't include the Athletic or this brilliant podcast. The mainstream media fell for this H L and S and regurgitated the quotes across their back pages. But Jack, in a week when, and we'll talk about uh, with James in a little minute about um, the veracity of online. Twitter accounts from football clubs, but you you discovered that this is not actually Nuno Espirito Santo's Instagram account, but people have fallen for a, a long-firm con. Yeah, so when this came out, I saw it, and I, it just didn't quite pass the smell test with me. Something to do with the words that were chosen, the fact that it wasn't verified, the fact that none of the Spurs players or other footballers who I follow on Instagram followed it. And even just reading it, so the the post after the sacking starts, wow, the last few weeks have been hectic, to say the least. This is football, the most ruthless sport in the game. That was odd, wasn't it? Only a couple of weeks <laughs> back, I was crowned manager of the month, and fast forward to the present, and it's been some days since my dismissal at Spurs. This is life. I move on, forward now, looking forward to my next challenge, and finally I want to say, th- like, it just didn't quite, I don't know, it didn't scan with me. So I actually had started asking around some people that I know, who know Nuno, who work with Nuno, and I said, what do you think about this? And I was told, oh, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's real. And then I, later on they had confirmed that, that it was not real. But, uh, you know, by which point, I'm, you know, some other outlets had, had indeed picked up those quotes and run with them. Can I tell you what what uh, what alerted me to it? What made me think it may not be entirely accurate? Uh, the little wave emoji at the end of the post. Nuno is not an emoji guy. There's absolutely no chance that guy lo- uses emojis. No way. Yeah, you're right. He's not an emoji guy at all. But he's also um. So, so I saw somebody on Twitter pointed out, and I you know, I wouldn't have noticed this myself, but it was written in more like Brazilian Portuguese rather than Portuguese Portuguese. But it's just, it just it just didn't really... But the interesting click. thing, I mean, and it's good that people like yourself had enough you know, mental acuity to say that... I mean, and of course, you sat through press conferences with the fella. This doesn't ring true. But that account has been going for years. What is the purpose of that long-running pretense of being that Nuno Espirito Santo? I do have quite a lot of admiration, I have to say, for the... Per- even even though they are pulling the wool over the eyes of the world, just just for playing the long game, you know, two years of thinking, you know, this guy who's just taken over at Wolves, I'm going to pretend to be him on Instagram, <laughs> and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for years on... And I'm not even sure what the... I, I, what I want to know is, what was the payoff here? Like, were they going to use it to start promoting betting accounts or crypto yeah. or Bitcoin or whatever? Or flip it or, like, sell the account to, I don't know, 14, a betting affiliate website? To a betting a affiliate yeah. website, which is something that some people do. Or was it just the, the pure thrill of deception? Yeah. You've got a question. People who pretend to be other people on the internet are, are all slightly dubious, aren't they? In a, in a very sort of grim way. Like a, you can't yeah. trust them. Reminds me of my favourite TV show, Catfish. What happens in that? So Catfish is about people pretending to be other people on dating websites <laughs> on the internet. And so, and the way Catfish works is that the two main guys, Neve and I forgot what his mate's called, maybe Max, they'll start off by speaking to someone who says, I've met someone on the internet and we've been talking for ages on this dating website, but I've never actually got to meet them. Maybe something fishy is going on. And then they go and meet, uh, then they'll go and like drive across the US to find the person who's claiming to be somebody on the dating website, then obviously it all turns out that it's lying. So it's, just, it's incredibly formulaic. And obviously it feels a bit, it feels quite set up a bit like, I don't know, like mystery diners. Yeah. 
but it's um, good. It's good okay, fun. Okay, thank you very much. James is putting a face. No, it's just uh, it's just that you watch so much TV, and I just don't understand how you have time. Yeah, I don't actually do any work. It's, it's actually Charlie who does you all the work. Made a I mistake, just sit, James. I just sit at home watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. James, and, uh, you've made a terrible mistake of having a full time job. The people like me and Jack are pulling down a massive dollar, <laughs> doing about two hours work a day, and you can then you can afford to listen to the complete works of Bob Dylan most days while catching up on American TV trash. Listeners, we've got a very small favour to ask. We want to make sure we're making the very best football podcasts out there, so we need to know what you like and what we can do better. We've prepared a survey over at theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk and if you complete it, you'll be entered into a prize draw to win one of three £100 Amazon shopping vouchers. Now, we're only after the feedback from UK listeners at this stage and you can only win those Amazon shopping vouchers if you live in England, Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland. So if that applies to you, then please head on over to theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk. That's theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk. Thanks. Listen, it's been an absolute joy today, possibly because Spurs haven't gone any more minutes without having a shot on target. 227, everybody. Let's see how far they can extend this extraordinary run when they take on Leeds in a little while. We'll be back again on Monday for more of the same. I want to thank both Jack and James for their contributions today. And remember that if you're not already a subscriber, you can read Jack and Charlie's brilliant article about Antonio Conte's first seven days in charge by going to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. And right now you can sign up with a 33% discount on a full subscription. You'll also be able to access all of our podcasts without adverts. We're back on Monday. As I always say, thanks for listening. The Athletic.